think we all kind of have this expectation of like, as soon as I walk across that stage, there's going to be a job waiting for me. I'm going to pack up and I'm out. And then when it doesn't happen, you kind of feel like, wait a minute, did I do something wrong? Like, what's going on here? And like I said, you start thinking like, am I good enough? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. On today's episode, I brought on lifestyle reporter and producer Morgan Poole to discuss how to land reporting and production jobs and how to navigate the media industry through COVID-19. Now, bear with me, I wanted to discuss some of the Zoom issues before we got to this episode. There was an echo that happened for about five to 10 seconds, but besides that, everything went fine for the most part. There were a couple other issues that I had, but I was able to edit those out. Um, So it shouldn't be too bad, so everything should be fine. Um, If you're listening right now, show me that you're tuned in by taking a screenshot and post on your Instagram story that you're listening to the Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Make sure to tag our official Instagram page, is at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. I will put the names to those in the description. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to your more content of Privileged Black Kids, and give a rate and review if you like this podcast as well. Um, make sure to share with all your family and friends, and DM me on Instagram for any feedback. Again, thank you guys so much for love and support. And here's another episode of Privileged Black Kids. Hello, guys. This is another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. And today I am with lifestyle digital reporter and producer at an NBC affiliate, um, Woo TV8 and WOTV4, Morgan Poole. Morgan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Kendall? I'm doing well. Um, I'm honestly praying I hope like this all this whole audio thing with the Zoom goes well because COVID has not helped things like trying it's to record. A, it's a struggle, but we're gonna get through it today. I feel the positive vibes. Yeah, it. definitely. Um, but I guess like first off, so I kind of want to discuss like a little bit about like our connection. Um yeah. because you actually became my mentor for this program called HBC in LA, which we'll yes. get into later. Um, but like really. I first off before like going into like HBC in LA and what you do in the internships and like being a reporter, I'm really first wondered for yourself, like, how did you first get interested in the media and entertainment industry? Yeah, so that's a crazy question and I always love explaining it because my passion for media and stuff actually started when I was about seven years old. I was in this after school program in my hometown, Niagara Falls, New York. And basically there was like this computer lab that they had and the instructors there were just like, we just need something for these kids to do. We, you know, we helped them with their homework, we fed them whatever, but we gotta put their energy somewhere. So they created this computer lab so they could just tell us to just get somewhere and sit down. So in the computer lab, you know, I'm a person that loves technology and stuff. I just gravitate towards it. Mm -hmm. So there were um, MacBooks, there were cameras, they had a green screen in there. And I literally just logged on every few days. We went in this computer lab and started playing around with Adobe Premiere Pro, iMovie. I even dabbled into um, graphics on Photoshop. And it just became, you know, a passion of mine before I even really knew what having a passion was. I was creating videos and recording them. And then that's when YouTube started to surface. So I was recording YouTube videos. I don't even think I was allowed to because I was a kid. So wait, what what age did all this happen around? I was like seven. Man, that's really young. young. That's really young. (laughs) I was really, really young. And it just goes to show that like, these things are so easy to learn, especially when it comes to content creation. It's just, you know, just taking that first step and exploring with it and then creating. And so from there, after I was uploading videos, being proud of myself for having a little YouTube channel, I just continued to upload over the years before I went to college. And then, you know, once I got into college, I already pretty much knew that I was interested in media and digital content. So that helped me pick my major. And that's how I got my first start, pretty much. Okay. So before, like, we kind of go into, you know, you get into college, I'm wondering, you know, who are some of your idols growing up while you were a kid or being a teenager? That's a good question. Um, Some of my idols back then, I don't know. I feel like they always kind of change every so often. Yeah. 
that was on YouTube, I would say like all of the YouTubers that people were familiar with back then, because YouTube was just really my thing. Um, I would say more so I was interested in just digital content creation before I even knew what journalism is now. So I wasn't really inspired by any journalists, rather just like YouTube, social mm -hmm. media stars back then. Okay. And I'm trying to kind of remember like, so what give, I guess people perspective, like what time was this that I guess they can visualize, you know, what, tubers, what YouTubers were popping off at that time? Right. So I think there was somebody like Fred. I don't know if you remember him. Were you on YouTube back then? I wouldn't, I don't know. Me personally. So I got in, I started watching YouTube around sixth grade, which is like 2012 for me. Um, <laughs> Cause I honestly watch guys like Red William Johnson, but like, and probably Chris Moo for people who like know sports stuff, but yeah I, I don't know i really can't like remember like who i watched at that age yeah but I, I was just on it all day and i just really kind of just love the idea of being able to create that content sit in front of a camera and connect with people even though obviously if you're uploading you can't see people live like how we're doing right now mm -hmm. but just that idea of just knowing people are watching me i get to bring some joy to them some entertainment while being myself it just made it just it, i just fell in love with it no that's great so yeah. you know i guess fast forward to let's say you know when you're 17 18 in high school you know how did you end up picking going to an hbcu and going to delaware state like what was that process like yeah so luckily i have an older brother so um even before i graduated he was going on college tours and things and my family members have attended hbcus and so they always just talked about the importance and what that meant for them just by hearing their stories you know I'm feeling inspired and I'm like what there's colleges specifically made for black people like what you know and it just even more than that it's just the whole experience of feeling like you know you're somewhere you feel like you belong and that you're surrounded with people who not only may look like you but may have some of the same goals and dreams you it just does a lot and so you know he was looking at colleges one of them was Dell State we took a trip down there and I just love the campus it's really beautiful and I got to meet a lot of the staff and I just felt like wow I know it's not my time to go to college but this is definitely a place that I would apply to and so long story short I was applying for different colleges you know my grades were good in high school which made it pretty easier um, one of the deciding factors besides loving the campus, loving the people after taking a tour was the fact that I got a scholarship to DSU. So that's mm, ultimately that's like why I decided to go. Because, you know, college is expensive. And no, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm sold. <laughs> so was it pretty easy for you to pick your major, I'm guessing? Like, was it just you just knew it by heart? It was, but this is the crazy thing. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but when I first entered DSU, I was registered as a computer science major. And that's because like I mentioned before, I just always love technology. I just love mm -hmm. it. But then when I got into the classroom, I'll never forget, it was orientation day. So I'm feeling pumped, like, yes, I'm on campus. We're gonna start classes soon. The computer science professor sat down in front of us he was basically like, you guys are going to be um, making robots as computer science majors. So I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, but you need to purchase a $2,000 computer. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then this was the design factor. He was pretty much like, there's a lot of math involved. I'm a person that can do math, but I absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, pretty much everybody fails math but don't worry about it. And I'm thinking to myself, why would I want to put myself through this? This is not what I want to do at all. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I was kind of a little bit worried because at this point, I didn't even know what mass communications was. That's ultimately what I majored in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I like recording. I like editing, producing. What major do they have? So I went down to you know, the student offices where they have, you know, people that can help you. And I just basically let them know what I wanted to do. And they were like, why don't you try mass communication? <laughs> and when I asked them, they told me, I'm like, wow, like this exists. This is exactly what I want to do. And I just went for it. And I've been happy ever since. Wow. Ever no, since. That's, that's great. I guess like on that point, you know, 
it's interesting to see like the intersection of media and technology, but also yeah. when you came in, like, did you think, because if you think of people that major in computer science, you kind of think of like the awkward software engineer that like codes all day. It made me think of like a media personality, like they just have a lot of energy and they're curious and they just like, did you kind of, I'm wondering for yourself, like kind of find a way to bridge the gap of two? I would say to bridge the gap of two, I mean, luckily, I mean, because computer science majors, I know they do a lot with softwares and coding and stuff. I mean, you don't do any coding in the job position that I have now, but I would just say, you know, a lot of them do work with multiple softwares and technology. And as a journalist, you know, or someone that just works in digital media, of course, we edit on multiple softwares and these people are the people that build it. Yeah. So that's kind of cool for me. I don't think it intersects fully, but just, you know, to be in a position where I'm surrounded by a lot of technology is has just always been fascinating to me, something that I really love. But it is wrong that I think a lot of people have this notion that all computer science majors are nerds and all of, I'm like, come on, you know, it's silly. it's silly. Yeah, no, it's a bad thing. I think it's changing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, also too, like in the last few years, like tech became really hot and then a lot of kids started going into it for like, you know, the prestige and the money and what they want, you know, what sounded cool. Cause you know, it's like, Oh, right. I don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Your parents are like, oh yeah, go be a software engineer, you know? Exactly. And that's so crazy that you said that because, you know, my parents are always very supportive, but um, some people, not specifically them, but other people close to me, they were like, oh, you're going to major in computer science. You know, that's great. You're going to make bank, going to make a lot of money. And, you know, you kind of feel like, all right, I'm going to be straight, you know, I'm going to college, good major and all that. And then it's like, once you change your major, people are like, are you sure this is what, what you want What are you doing with your life? Like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, oh, to support, you know, but luckily I do have other close family members, like my parents and friends that were like, you go for it. And I think that's a message within itself. It's like, yeah, you have people that care for you and care about your future and, you know, want to look out for your best interests. But at the end of the day, you can't just, do something because other people are telling you to do it because if it's not your passion years from now you're going to be miserable and it may seem good in the moment where you're making money you have a job right after college but that catches up to you quick you'd be surprised that so many so many people that i know that have these wonderful jobs and they're not passionate about it they hate it yeah no it's a real thing yeah it's it's real out here so you gotta just do what makes you happy at the end of the day yeah, definitely. I guess, yeah. you know, on the aspect of college and you go into an HBCU, do you feel like that's given you an advantage over other people who have not had that HBCU experience? And maybe give me an example or time to where you did, you know, your HBCU experience give, gave you an advantage within your job or in the media industry? That's a good question. You're talking about the questions. I would say... For me, I don't know, I don't really like to compare myself to other people and experiences because I don't know what that may be like for other people. But what I will say is that I don't think I'll be the same person today if I didn't go to HBCU. Like, I think mm -hmm. I would be more to myself. I wouldn't be as confident, outspoken, or ambitious because I don't know, there's something about it when you step into an HBCU and like I said, when you're surrounded by people that really look like you and can boost you up, it really makes a huge difference. And I think, you know, when I was in LA and I was doing different internships to know that yes, in that specific office, maybe there weren't a lot of black people there, but I know I have people back home that support me for my school that's rooting me on, even though we're not in the same place, like that gives you a lot of confidence and that extra boost to say yes you know I've earned my seat at the table I'm here I have a voice I want to be heard seen I want to contribute my skills and talents and I feel like people have that if they don't have go to HBCUs but mm. I feel like it's enhanced more if you do go to an HBCU because there is just a feeling I don't know it just feels like home it just feels like family even down to the professors I mean prior to going to an HBCU 
in all of my years of being a student in elementary school, middle school, high school, I've never had one black teacher. Yeah, so no, I, I feel you on that. that. Has that been like the experience for you too? Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, cause I'm trying to think now. So I had two black woman professors from kindergarten through high school. Like I never had a black male professor or crazy. teacher. Yeah. It's crazy. So even that, even down to the professors, it was like, I'm going to their office hours and we're just talking about life, not even homework or assignments. You know, it's just that extra encouragement, that extra bond that just, I feel like makes you who you are because you just feel like you can be yourself and you could be your true authentic self in an environment and get that built up. By the time you graduate, it's like, I'm ready to take on the world. Let's do this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's what it definitely gave to me. And I'm grateful I went to HBCU. Yeah, I mean, I think on like on that point, going to an HBCU, it's not just one, you know, kind of having that family oriented feel and just, you can be yourself. Like when you're at a place to where it's, you know, majority black students, everybody's doing different things. So there's really no pressure to like act different or do something else. Like everybody's, you know, different in their own, in their own way. Mm -hmm. I think as well, you know, some of the stuff and it deals i think it comes from like counselors and what they say what schools are elite once you get in the workplace or get to these internships you're like i'm just as good as these kids like there's no i'm not coming in not confident you know i don't think it's an ego or narcissism i just think it's like i can get the job done just as well as you can so yeah absolutely so have you faced any of that in any of your internships or opportunities either where you felt like you know that you had to, I don't want to say prove yourself, but it could have been awkward. You may have felt like, you know, even though I'm still at the same seat with other people mm. who may not look at me, that it was kind of pressuring in a way. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, I'll be the first to tell you, I have like my imposter syndrome is like, it's bad. Um, <laughs> and it's gotten better over time. But for me, like, I have to get reps in the spaces to like, actually like be fine with myself. Yeah, like, yeah, I remember yeah. the first time I went to New York for one of those, like, pipeline programs. I was super <laughs> nervous. I was like, all oh, these kids are going to be, like, 10 times better than me. I'm not going to know what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. And then you get there, it's like, if one, if you're curious, like, you'll be fine. If you've done some of your research beforehand, like, you'll be fine. Like, those two things alone, I don't right. think you should stress out about, oh, if I'm good enough. Like, people, <laughs> it sounds very simple, but everybody's, they're people, they're normal. Like, don't. Don't look at like a big school and where somebody goes and thinks they're like the next Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. Like people are yeah, normal. That's absolutely right. And I think, you know, just generally speaking, and sometimes we don't realize that we may sabotage opportunities for ourselves or, you know, think to ourselves that no one likes us or that they're looking at us some type of way when it's not like that in reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think it just goes a long way where you just remember who you are and remember why you're there in the first place and that you deserve to be in the room just as much as anybody else. But it's a, it's a shame that sometimes when we're the only people in the room that we automatically can think that way. And yeah, so no, that's, I mean, that's the real thing. And I guess like on that point, it kind of ties into like the next thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, the, this program HBC in LA and how we got connected and, to give a little background, HBCU NLA is a program for kids who want to go into the media entertainment industry. It pipelines them to companies to intern in Los Angeles. And the best thing is you not just get paid with those internships, but the housing's totally paid as well. So it's an amazing experience. And me, unfortunately, due to COVID-19, I got half of that. I got the paid experience at NBC Universal, but from my room. And I couldn't do like the whole like Los Angeles and, you know, live in an apartment or a dorm with other people. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, for yourself, how did you even, you know, hear about HBC in LA? How did you get into the program and talk about what that experience is like? So, yeah, I first heard about the HBC in LA program from a student. I was at this conference in New York City and it was for Spotify. It was the music and tech conference and that's the thing too even as a mass comm major even though music and tech 
I wouldn't say isn't our thing, but you know, that's not our focus. Mm. I was just always the type of person who would see an opportunity to go to a conference and network and just say, let me go for it. Yeah, let's see how it goes, yeah. And that's how, you know, you meet people and you know, you just get different experiences. So at that conference, I met this girl named V, shout out to V, and we were just talking. Um, I was telling her what I wanted to do, just like my future goals and stuff. And she was like, have you heard of this program called HBCU in LA? And I was like, what? No. So she basically explained it the same way you did. And I was like, what? Mind you, this was in, I want to say November of 2017. This was so, your sophomore year? Was that my sophomore year? Yeah, I think it was my sophomore Soph- year. It seems so long ago. But yeah, I think it was my <laughs> sophomore year. And it was November. And she was like, but, you know, you just have to apply closer to you know, December, January, that's when they kind of start the stuff, you know. And so I was, I typed it in my phone. I set a reminder in my mm. phone. I go on a website and apply. And so when the time came, I just submitted it. I was a finalist, submitted my video and they really liked me. And then I got an internship with CBS Interactive which is just an entity of CBS, but they're digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget in the interview, all they really talked about was my YouTube channel. And mind you, I started doing this when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you, you know, even though you you may do things in the past or years ago, that stuff can resurface and, you know, be to your benefit. So, you know, I had a, an amazing internship with them. But I would just say overall, with the HBCU and LA program, I, I was a cohort for two years, so 2018, 2019. It was literally mm-hmm. the best experience of my life. And I literally would not be where I am today without that program. Because first of all, you get these amazing internship opportunities. And for many of us, the only way we can get that is if we do have free housing and stuff, because mm-hmm. you know how expensive it is to live yeah, in LA. Yeah, it's hard. You can't give you yeah, get a you kid an internship. And you say, all right, we're going to pay you 15 to $20. Like housing and rent's expensive. Like how am I going to pay? And then you got Uber. If you don't have a car up there, you got to pay for groceries. It's just a lot. And so the fact that they just mm-hmm. take, took care of that just opened the door for so many students, you know, by that in itself. But I would say besides, you know, the internships and that, the connection that you gain is just so valuable and it just lasts far beyond the program. Like that's how we were able to connect. That's how I was able to connect with so many other people. And you just be surprised. A lot of people will look out for you. One, because all of all of you guys are in the same boat, pretty much. You're still in college or you just mm-hmm. graduated. You want to work in the same uh, respective industry. So you just naturally look out for one another. I know I'm still connected with everyone I've met. And we're still in our group chats like, hey, did y'all hear about this? Literally someone yesterday just posted an internship or job opportunity, you know? So yeah. that, that constant support is just amazing. And everyone who's ever been a part of the HBCU and LA program has always said that. The networking is, is not even just belonging to a group, but it's like belonging to a family. So my experience was amazing. And if I could do it Honestly, I'm a little jealous of you right now, to be honest. <laughs> you're still in the network I mean even though you weren't able to go to LA you know I know that's a little bit of a bummer but I'm telling you the fact that you have an extensive network literally is being a part of the largest cohort the program has ever had Mm -hmm. like that is that's golden right there golden yeah you know no I mean like I would say the best thing about it is I have so many people around me that I can just hit like in a conversation on group me or just text. So that yeah. helps, I guess for you while you're in LA, I'm wondering, was there anything that surprised you or caught you off guard having two summers in Los Angeles? Cause you're somebody that's from New York, you know, you go to school like more in like in the South. So mm-hmm. what was LA like? I would just say being in LA is, an interesting experience in itself. First of all, compared to being from New York, where people, it, everything's much more fast paced. I think LA is a very chill in a way. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can agree on that. It's just way different, way more spacious. But I would say, even though there's a lot of opportunities, you gotta be careful because it's so easy for people to get caught up 
you know, there's a, a great side of the industry, no matter what industry you work in, but there's a dark side. Mm. And, you know, you, with some of the events that I've worked in, you just kind of see how people operate, especially people that you may look up to, some celebrities and stuff. Yeah. When you, when you're in the business, you become aware of so many different things. So you, you kind of have to. You don't have to go into it too much, but I'm just curious, like, what are some of those dark things that people should like maybe try to make sure that doesn't happen to them or to look out for? Right. I would definitely say stay true to yourself because people will try to change you. When people say that, it may sound so cliche, but like you'll hear artists and musicians say, oh, like my record label tried to change me or whatever. Even if you're not in music, just in general working in this industry, people will really try to change you. And I've known people who have like been to parties. I won't go too much into detail, but it's just like all this crazy stuff going on and people are just, doing crazy stuff for money young people by the way and they're just getting caught up with you know fame and fortune because when you when you think of LA you think all you know of all the big ballers that are there and sometimes people just do anything to just get a little taste of that yeah. and you just remember especially if you're passionate about something working in this industry of why you wanted to be in the first place is it to have fame and fortune or is it because you're something it's something that you're very passionate about and you have to kind of let that lead you to not get caught up but I mean other than that because you you'll find that anywhere you know LA is a great place you can meet anybody just by walking down the street and network and that conversation alone can change your life so I, I definitely understand why people gravitate towards it and, you know, want to move there, want to jumpstart their career, because it is, it is a great place. It is. It yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, LA is one of those places to where there's so much opportunity, but the problem is you have a lot of these people who want to come and like, they want to be like Kylie Jenner or Kanye West. Yeah. You have people from all over the world doing the same thing. So it dries yeah. up rent prices. I don't yeah. want to get into like the whole like homeless situation in LA, which is so bad. Um, it's like, yeah. Every- yeah, actor, producer. Yeah, you know, and some people, like, I think um, it was a it was a call for HBC in LA. It was before, like, you know, you go through the application process. And I think, yeah. like, there was, like, these calls to get on to hear about, like, the next steps. Yeah. And one of the, I don't know who was talking, but he was saying, when you guys are looking at these internships, don't be saying, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be, like, I have to go straight to on camera. Like, right. it's okay yeah. to, like, start in production or marketing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people who don't get that advice to where like they go straight to LA with barely any money saying I'm gonna become an actor right you I would say you know while people are spontaneous and you hear about all these big names who just move with $200 in their pocket and they become this big star while in some cases it does work I would say have a game plan you know you don't have to have it figured out you don't have to have $10,000 or anything saved up but you know even if you have friends that live in LA can you reach out to them maybe you might have to sleep on their couch or something but you know having a having a plan rather than just moving out there spontaneously and getting caught up and stuff is you know much more wise because like I said it is so easy to get caught up and then there's people that may sell you false dreams you know you hear about people that sign up with agencies mm. or go for a job and it's not what they thought they would be and they're scammed out of all this money so it's just have that plan together and then too just speaking of your your to your point where you mentioned how people will look for internships and say hey I want to be an actor and stuff you should want to start from the bottom and I mean that in the most humble way possible Mm. and work your way up because people are not just going to throw opportunities like that left and right they want you to prove yourself because there's so many people that want to do what you want to do. But if you can show that you're hungry and that you want it, you're willing to work for it, then people will respect you even more. Yeah. No, those, I love that. And yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking it's kind of like, don't be the person that tries to go to, you try to intern at ESPN and say, I want to go, I want to go immediately be on ESPN first take with Stephen A. Like, right. Especially if you're in college. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that sounds so harsh, but it's true. You have to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to start as a production assistant and work my way up. Just be humble, but then show that they can trust you 
because after people trust you, you know, half the time they'll look up, look out for you and say, all right, we have this opportunity for you. Let's see if you can prove yourself for that. And once you do that, you just keep climbing and climbing. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, you're where you want to be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. on the subject of internships, you know, you've interned with CBS and Entertainment Tonight. I'm wondering if you could give three tips you would give to a student pursuing a media inter- internship. So what would those three, those three things be? For a student who wants to get a media internship, I would say, number one, make sure that your resume is stacked. And how you can stack your resume is just when you're on campus, just take advantage of all the clubs that are there, all the opportunities for you to kind of get your feet wet and build your skills in terms of, you know, navigating the media industry. Because you'd be surprised, you know, a lot of students will come to me and say, you know, how do I build up my resume and how do I get these opportunities? And I'm like, well, do you have, you know, organizations that you can join on campus? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, have you joined them? And they're like, no. And I'm like, this is your stepping ground. College is a place, you know, where you can just explore and, you know, if you join something and you don't like it, it's okay because there's mm. no commitment to it forever. And, you know, you can just build those skills up because you don't want to get into an, a professional environment and say, you know, you want to try something out and then realize you hate it, mm-hmm. you know, and try to, you know, keep building skills that you've already could have built years ago in college. Yeah. Like, just start now. That's one tip I can give. Um, And I would say too, don't wait for opportunities to come. Um, You should already be creating opportunities for yourself if you feel as though you can't find any. So for instance, I'll just use post-graduation for an example. So I was doing all this amazing stuff and LA and stuff, but I knew what I wanted to do and there weren't any jobs in those large markets for someone who just graduated. Mm -hmm. So while I was just applying to different jobs, reaching out to people in my network to see if there are any opportunities, I, on the side, kept creating my own content. So I had launched my own entertainment platform and I was creating fun social posts and fun videos so that too, when it was time for me to keep applying for those jobs, I already had recent content that I could send to them to say, you know, pretty much I'm not new to this, like this is what I do. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to wait for you to say, oh, we want you to create a video to show us what you can do. I can just send it to you right away because it's just an ongoing yeah. passion of mine. So just don't wait. You know, if you want that internship, just work for it now. Or even too, you know, if you want to apply for something and you check out, you know, what they're looking for on their job board, Make sure that you can cross off stuff on that checklist before you even apply. You know, it's just kind of setting yourself up for a success before, you know, you get that validation for, from someone. You just do it, do it on your own, pretty much. And then, you know, lastly for students, I would say don't be afraid to network. And I know it may sound like we hear about it all the time. It's so cliche, but you can't work in this industry if you don't want to make connections and you don't want to reach out to people mm-hmm. and you're afraid to know people because I'm telling you when they always say it's not about what you know but who you know, know. that's so true so start building your connections now in college and and even in college I don't know why this is but people don't even like to collaborate a lot yeah like a which lot is of- weird because like you guys are already on campus you're there like there's no like real dollar signs attached Exactly. People, people don't want to collaborate, especially too, because I think people are to themselves and this is already a competitive industry. So people don't want to put their friends on or put other people on because they think they might steal what's going on with them. You got to get out of that because Mm. the worst thing in the world is seeing someone, and I don't like to compare, but the worst thing is seeing someone be where you want to be and you could have been there if y'all would have just built a relationship Mm -hmm. and it's not about just networking with people who are above you may have a million dollars a great reputation a great business you got to network with the people across from you your classmate you know your friend your friend's friend that's how you really build and set yourself up for success so yeah and even uh 
the person who runs HPC, HPC LA, Miss Stacy, she was talking about how in a meeting, you know, even though that, you know, she's providing the internships and the guidance for all of us, she was like, I'm gonna be working with these kids in like two or three years. Like, hey, you know, like that's a real thing. So the thing is, she's a lot older and she's basically, she's networking or working with people who are a lot younger and that's how the business works. Absolutely. So it's just like, you just gotta put yourself out there because you just never know who you may meet or who may have opportunity for you. And even not to network just to have opportunities, but to just build genuine relationships with people. Because, you know, working in this industry is very fast paced. Mm -hmm. You know, it may seem like glitz and glam and fun, but there's a lot of hard days. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And sometimes you just need somebody to just, you know, call up and just talk your frustrations to and just release some of that stress somebody that you know will have your back and stuff and that can come along if you just build those genuine relationships yeah so mm -hmm. to shift over a little bit you know i'm just curious as far as really actually the time when you had to cover nascar and i'm mm -hmm. wondering what was that like and also being in a sports where it hasn't really welcomed minorities in the past or just you know black people you know in general you know what was that experience like NASCAR was a very fun experience. I did it for two years. I want to say during my sophomore year and junior year or junior year and senior year, one of the two. And basically my university in Delaware is right near the Dover International Speedway. And that just happens to be one racetrack where NASCAR, you know, obviously holds their event literally mm -hmm. right down the street. So they wanted to bring in students to be able to kind of cover the event um, for media purposes, get some experience, see kind of how the organization runs from race day to all the planning and coordination that goes on um, before that. And NASCAR, what they've done was set up a diversity and inclusion um, yeah. program for students. And of course, since we're in HBCU, it's perfect that they invite us there. But it was a great experience. Um, I didn't really feel out of place or anything like that, uh, which was great. You know, everybody was pretty supportive. Um, and yeah, it was just a great experience because even though sports isn't really my thing, I think what you have to be if you want to make it in this industry is just open-minded mm -hmm. to, to opp any opportunity that can come your way where you can just go out and just develop new skills, meet more people, and kind of just be in a fast paced environment so you can develop your working style and to figure out, you know, if that specific company or that specific industry, in this case it was sports, is something you're interested in doing. And if I wouldn't have gone there, then I wouldn't have known that, okay, this is cool, but this is not, you know, what I wanna do. But, you know, we just went there, we just got some clips, we made some fun videos for social media. I had made this cool collage that NASCAR reposted. So it was just a way for us to just gather content and then just do whatever we wanted to with it, create articles, create fun stuff. And it was just a great experience. And I got to add it to my resume. So that was good. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a big win. I mean, yeah. while you're doing that, I'm just wondering, I'm just curious as a person who used to like watch a lot of NASCAR, you yeah. know, I'm wondering what was it like kind of, I guess, being in the pit and seeing how fast everything is and the whole team, like, was there an awe? Like, was there anything that really, really stood out to you while you were there? Something that really stood out to me was how fast they changed those tires. Like you see it on camera, but I'm telling you, when you're actually there behind the scenes and you just see it, it's like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to working in media in general, like you'll, be able to gain gain like behind the scenes as access to all these different events and it just gives you a different perspective of everything that goes into it not just for in this case the pit crew but the media like they're working around the clock working so fast paced and i think it just makes you appreciate everything more like what goes on to not only hold this event but to broadcast it to millions of people that was probably one of the most fascinating experiences i've had because it really shows you, you know, the front work of what goes into it, which is great. Yeah. So have you ever had any experiences where you kind of got to go behind the scenes? Man, I mean, 
I'm still like, I'm not gonna go back to the whole HB Stanley thing in NBC. Yeah. Like that would have been really cool. I think the only thing for me, like so far, because now I'm I've basically been doing media for about like I guess two years now, like freshman and sophomore year of college. I think mm -hmm. the first time like I did radio, like seeing the soundboards and the mics. Right. Like, the journalist and like nerd out of me was like geeking out. I was like, oh my God, yeah. I can hear myself. I can see like the sound waves and yeah that was like very like it was a small studio and it was nice but i think that was like the first thing i was like wow like we're actually doing radio and then people Super. texting me saying like i can hear you or like this is how you sound or just little things it was i don't know it's surreal for me yeah it's always really cool and like i said it just makes you did you feel like you appreciate it more the whole process that you know yeah i mean i think as somebody who you know, is interested in podcasting and radio and what goes just on, on the audio space. When you're doing podcasting, like you start off kind of just, you know, with your mic and your computer and you just record and you deal with all the things of like, I want to record in my dorm, but the mic's going to pick up everything. And we know like in dorm, people are loud, like people playing, Absolutely. People playing music, like my mic's picking up everything. Right. And then I've had so many times where I'm recording the library with a friend and like somebody's about to come in to say what's up. And I'm like, like we're recording, you know, like I literally feel like put signs on doors saying we're recording because yeah. like I don't have like a normal red light. So right. like that's a very small thing. But like those little things like, man, when I got a studio and it's like I can actually sit and record with no distractions. Like that was right. something that I really appreciated. It makes all the difference. You just feel like, wow, like I'm really here in the space, you know, and I get to create what I want to create. It's just great. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I felt, yeah, it was just magical. I miss it. I'm not gonna lie. But um, yeah. on the aspect of like reporting and journalism, you know, let's go to your senior year. How did you land your first reporter job and walk through the whole process? Because I know it's different. You know, most jobs you just apply, you do your resume, you do a couple interviews and you're done. But reporting, you know, you have a lot of, they have to do a lot of background, see you know look at your content your portfolio you know you have to deal with reels like what was that like you literally pretty much just said it like i throughout my college experience i just always made sure that you know whatever i did i just put it on my portfolio so in college i was a reporter at a tv station which gave me a great experience with going out into the field conducting interviews shooting writing editing you know um, and then I was also a host for a show that we had called Around Campus. Like I said about stacking your resume, mine was already pre-stacked. And just on the reporting and digital media side or hosting side, I made sure to just create my reel. And my reel was not perfect at all. Mm -hmm. it was not at all. I look back on it and I'm like, what the heck? Like, what, what is this? You know, it was mm -hmm. good. But, yeah. You know, after being in this industry for some time and learning like what you should and shouldn't do, I'm like, okay, I need a little bit of tweaking. But I will say that when you do apply for certain jobs, if you feel as though your reel isn't perfect, then that's okay. And some people may disagree and say, you know, it needs to be sharp, it needs to be tight. But sometimes, depending on which job you're going for, um, if you're out of college, they kind of give you a little bit of leeway because they already know that students will need to fine tune some things, you know, the best way to learn, even though college does teach you a lot of things, the best way to learn is by having experience in the real world. And yeah. these jobs know that you're going to be able to sharpen those skills if they bring you on. So that was kind of the case with me, uh, with my real, um, because they talked about it in the job interview for my job now. Um, they knew I was comfortable with being on camera, um, comfortable with interacting with people and that mm -hmm. really stood out for them. So that made a big difference. And, you know, if I would have just kept psyching myself out and saying, oh, my reel isn't good enough, then I wouldn't apply it and I wouldn't have had the opportunity. So you definitely throughout the process of looking for jobs, don't feel discouraged at all. Don't ever feel like you're not good enough or your work isn't good enough. Just submit it because you mm -hmm. honestly do not know or you honestly um it, it might not as not be as bad as you think it is you know we're always so hard on ourselves and we ourselves are our greatest you know competition because we're just so hard on ourselves so just take that pressure off and just keep applying that's literally what i did 
And, you know, they were able to see my potential and picked up on it, not only because of, you know, sending my reel, but what I had on my resume. And that was able to speak for itself. And that's how I was able to get the job pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, you know, I want to touch on, you know, I guess it's more deep for me as far as mental health and anxiety. Um, Because when you're job searching, you know, I've noticed, and I've heard it from other friends, especially as a senior, it depends on the industry. So people who are in finance, like they get jobs within the first like one to three months. And then in media, like it can go out all the way to like April or May or even June at some point. And like, how did you try to say like, I'll be fine while your homegirl, y'all having a y'all are at a party you're just talking it's like yeah I just secured this job and you're like (laughs) it was it was that whole transition was so hard from being out of college and then trying to figure out what to do with your life because I think we all kind of have this expectation of like as soon as I walk across that stage there's gonna be a job waiting for me I'm gonna pack up and I'm out Mm -hmm. and then when it doesn't happen you kind of feel like wait a minute did I do something wrong Mm -hmm. like what's going on here and like I said you start thinking like am I good enough do I have enough stuff in my portfolio all these negative thoughts just circle and circle but you just have to just let all of that go and I know that may sound easier said than done but you just have to focus you know if you know specifically where you want to go or what you want to do with your life make a plan don't Mm -hmm. just say you want to something actually write it out like what I did is I have this huge whiteboard and I still have it in my room right now and I basically have it like sectioned off for where I want to be in a month from now or a year from now Mm -hmm. etc and while I was out of college and looking for a job I said okay I want a job in digital media or in production or report it was like any, any of those things, I can't remember exactly. And I said, okay, are there specific companies that I would want to work for? Are there specific markets that I would want to work for uh, or work in? And then I figured out, okay, let me go on their job boards and see what they're looking for. And let me see if I would be a great fit. So I kind of gather and compiled a list of companies and markets that I think that I would be, you know, a great fit for and kind of mm-hmm. took it from there. And, you know, from there, during that whole process, I made sure that my resume was updated, that my website was updated. You know, some people apply for opportunities that they don't get because they weren't ready for it. Like they Mm -hmm. haven't updated their cover letter or updated their resume or their website. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I was saying, like you have to stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. So when the opportunity comes, you already have all the content you need to send in. Your portfolio is already updated with your most recent information and you know content. You just have to be ready, and that's what I did. And you know, every day I just created a goal or a checklist to mm-hmm. say how many jobs I applied to, how many people I've connected to, how many people I've heard back from, and it may yeah. sound very expensive. But you have to really focus and just be serious about it because, like I said, if you want a job and you're just like, oh, you know, I'll apply for something this week, that's not really progressive. You have to say, I'm going to apply to these many jobs per day or talk to these many people. Like, hold yourself accountable for making your dreams happen. You just have to. Yeah. And it it paid off. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that you have to organize. I think little things you can do, like just creating like a Google sheet, like knowing actually who you applied when you did. Right. Um, I, I mean, this isn't a life hack, but something I thought about when people ask me now, like if you could know, if you're like applying for a job, if you could know like supervisor, former intern, and like somebody else within the company who works at, like I have like kind of this rule of three, like I need to at least have a conversation with three people yeah to like at least have a confidence that i can actually get it because there's some people that apply and then it's like so did you reach out to anybody and it's like no well then you're just like another your resume might have been great but you're just you're you're next to another person like you have to think of how a talent person that does talent ac- acquisition how they're looking mm-hmm. at things like gpas companies youtube podcasts like you have to differentiate yourself yeah and you have to be strategic in it too and i would say for a tip for 
anybody that wants to be a reporter or work in journalism, there's different types of reporters. Since I'm digital, I do a lot of stuff for social media and stuff. It's, it's different than somebody who's out in a field live for news saying there was a fire, you know. Mm-hmm, those, yeah. So if something happened in your neighborhood, good and bad, and you have reporting skills, et cetera, go out and, you know, do a live shot. Go out and mm-hmm. get stand-ups. Create your reel so that you can apply for the opportunity at that company. That's what some of my friends who have had um, mentors in this industry have told them to do. Like, go out and shoot your own content. Before we even give you this job, we want to see how hungry you are for this. Go out and, you know, shoot this extra stuff to rebuild your reel or tweak or upgrade your portfolio in a way. It just, it just all goes back to creating your own opportunities and just finding opportunities where you feel there aren't any in that moment. Yeah. And I mean, like we both said, like in a time like this to where a lot of roles aren't there due to COVID and just certain things you can't do, you know, in a studio, create your own content. Like that's all you can do right now. This is the perfect time because I think the other part of it too is a lot of us have our own personal goals outside of work, et cetera. And we always feel like, oh, there's not enough time in the day. To, this is you, we have enough time in our day now. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Everything is pretty much slowed down. So if you ever wanted to create a YouTube channel now, create that YouTube channel. If you ever wanted to create a blog, create that blog. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? This is the perfect time to create an opportunity. And too, for anyone who maybe wants to be a host, maybe wants to interview people, everybody's pretty much at home now. You can Skype. You can Skype, Zoom. Right now, you can create your own channel, your own show. This is the perfect time to just focus on you, what you want to do, and just build it up. Because like I said, when jobs start opening back up, when opportunities come along, you'll be able to say, hey, I started my own entity. You know, these are the numbers. These how many people are tuning in. This is what I can contribute to your company. Or I have skills doing this because I started my own channel or whatnot. I literally kid you not, with all the internships I've had, every single um, HR coordinator or interviewer has always asked about my YouTube channel because it was my own thing. Yeah, that I was able to bring to the table and talk about the success from that from, and they loved it. That's what makes you stand out, what mm-hmm. you can bring to the table as an individual. So create your own entity is what I'm Yeah, saying. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking how wild that is because you go into school, it's like, grades, organization, but there's definitely something yeah. different when it's like, oh, I actually created the thing, you know, like. And, and I think, you know, the proof is in that alone that, when you create something for yourself, it just shows how passionate you are. Because yes, you're in school. Yes, you've joined these organizations and stuff. But you even went beyond that to keep going. It speaks a lot. It speaks yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with yourself being in this industry, you know, being a Black woman and dealing with COVID-19, one, what has been some of the biggest challenges, you know, recently you've been facing, you know, navigating doing reporting and production like what's been what's been tough right i would say the biggest thing would have to have been the protests in Mm. the george floyd situation um when that sort of started we were working from home luckily and i think no matter what industry you are it's always tough when you're a black individual and you have to hop on Zoom calls, and maybe you're the only Black person, et cetera, and you want to talk about your frustrations, but in one sense, you feel like there's a time and a place for it, but then other time, it's like, yes, I still have to work through the day when I still have this drastic event in my mind. It's, It's really tough, and sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, like you have to not put on a, a front of any kind, but you have mm. to kind of suppress your emotions to not be that person that goes there or, you know, it's just yeah. it's, it's your thing to kind of navigate. Yeah, no, I think even, at least for myself as an intern, like when you're, when you're 20 years old, you're the youngest person there and like we're going through like 
a whole like race, you know, yes. or just movement in general, civil rights movement. It's like people are like, you know, how do you feel? And you know, what's going on? You're kind of just like, I don't even know what to say. Like some of the stuff, honestly, I'm kind of numb to it. If I'm being like completely honest, like when people bring it up, I'm just like been dealing with this for a minute. Like I've like, pulled over by the cops all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing for, I would say minorities is when you get those questions, it's like people, they want it. I guess they want to hear your perspective or um, I think somebody said, I don't know who it was. I think it was like Van Lathan or whoever he is like um, on a podcast. And he was talking about sometimes people will ask just to make themselves feel better that they actually ask, but they don't really like care. So. Right. It's just, it's just the kind of semi difficult thing to kind of navigate because in one sense, it's like you want to express your frustration, but then in the other sense, say if you're, like I said, the only black person in a room Mm -hmm. when, and I haven't dealt with this, but in other situations i feel like you know if there was something big in the media that involved a black person and you're the only black person other people will come to you and ask you what you think and it's Mm -hmm. kind of like you're the whole representation of the black culture in that it's kind of it's weird it's like i don't know everything like i'm learning myself i'm learning everything myself too right right so it's just like it's so interesting but yeah keep pushing don't let you know don't be too distracted in a sense where you can't do your job but at the same time you know it it can present an opportunity for there to be some serious discussion you know and sometimes you do have to take a break and pause and it's okay to not be okay especially when you see all of this stuff playing out especially working in media you know it's like we hear about this stuff all the time and we have to cover it but you know it's just yeah. that balance and you got your friends texting you like what do you think about this they like what are you about to do like that's all i've been hearing and i'm like whoa and i mean i work in lifestyle so it's different we don't really cover those things but because i you know do work at a tv station it's being covered by other people and you just mm-hmm. hear them all day long and there's some other you know black people who have you know experienced their frustrations just with the whole situation what's going on in the world and it's great that we can create that discussion in a workplace and feel like we don't have to hold back of course you don't say everything that's on your mind yeah your frustrations but it's good to be able to know that you can release some of that but it's it's a balance it's a balance yeah definitely um so I guess the last question you know for me, really, I guess it's, it's, it's me being a little, uh, just, I wouldn't say into myself, but like, I'm curious and like, I need it for my own personal being. Um, but what advice would you give to people who want to be an on-air talent and navigating what city and station or just media company, media company in general best mm-hmm. fits them? Ooh, I would definitely just say in all honesty, you just have to be open-minded I thought I was going to be in LA after college, but once I really realized that, okay, what I'm doing now is for me, I knew that with being a recent graduate in a big market in LA, chances are that's not what I want to do. is not going to happen right away. Like I said, Mm -hmm. you have to start at the bottom and work your way up and that's, you know, can be wherever you go, but I had to just be realistic and say, this is a huge market where everyone tries to go. Where else can I go to find an opportunity? And that just literally just came by me just looking for jobs that were saying, oh, we want new graduates or one to two years experience and saying, hey, okay, I fit in this range. Let me apply to all these places. And I just ended up here in Michigan. And it, you know, you just have to step out of your comfort zone. And if it's something you really want to do, you just have to take all the necessary steps to get to. And that may include, you know, you leaving your home, you not necessarily being in the place that you want to be in that right moment, but, you know, moving elsewhere. It just takes all those steps and it'll eventually pay off. That's probably the greatest tip I can give for someone to, you know, be successful in this industry. You start in a small market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, college professors and, and people like that, they'll keep it real with you and let you know, like, 
you should start small and work your way up. And you, you just have to, you know, not, not take that as a bad thing, but take that as an honest thing. You know, mm-hmm. when people take time to be real with you because they want to see you grow and be successful, take that seriously. Yeah. Don't take it as a, you know, grain of salt. Take that seriously. Because they, I think, honestly, it's hard because on the people that, people out there outside the industry, you create anything and they think you're like the next Oprah or Stephen A. Smith right, or like, right, right. And like, I'm good. Like, I think like I have a passion for it. I'm doing well, but then yeah. you get into like the inner circle, like people care about you. So this is going to like be honest with you saying you're good. You're doing all the right things. It just takes time. Right. Absolutely. And two, to make it into this industry, you know, you have to be able to accept criticism and I mean, not from people that are just your friends, but people that really work in this industry because they know what they're talking about. You know, sometimes you may disagree with people, but just just hear them out and just hear what they have to say. Because sometimes, you know, I've done some things and I've gotten some feedback and people will realize or see things that maybe I don't see, you mm-hmm. know, because they're outside looking in. So if they give me critiques, I'm like, oh, I did not realize that I did that. But let me just take note of that and move forward with that. And that's how you grow. Because no person that's an on-camera talent is perfect. And also don't feel pressured to be perfect because it's constantly a growing and evolving process. And once you're in it, you'll figure out, you know, your hosting style, your, your interviewing style. Yeah it just comes along the way but you just have to be able to be open-minded to move anywhere except criticism and just grow yeah no Mm -hmm. those are all good tips and it's definitely going to help me out as far as what i'm trying to do and hopefully anybody that is listening right now you know it can help them out um you're you're definitely on the right track because you know we're in this pandemic and you know a lot of opportunities aren't available but you literally created your own opportunity and now you know, by me sitting down with you and other people you've had sitting down with you, you're constantly creating your own content to be able to show. So you're literally like a living example of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but um, yeah, just, you know, thank you, Morgan, so much for coming on the podcast today. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Privileged Black Kids. If you like that episode of Privileged Black Kids, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Follow us on Instagram at Privileged Black Kids Podcast and follow our amazing guest on Instagram at MorganPool underscore. All of that information will be in the description below. Thank you guys for all the love and support and thank you for listening to this episode of Privileged Black Kids.